your favorite book and would you like to talk about it? Pour a pint, make some tea, pull a chair up. Let's talk worlds, it feels so real, feel free to scream and shout it. It's okay, you're in Fiona's book club. Hello, how are you doing? Sure I haven't talked to you in two weeks. Any crack? Um, I hope you're well. I'm going to keep the intro very short this week because the chat is long and I'd like you to listen to it all. Um, Yeah, so my guest this week was Sahar Ali. She is a poet, comedian, producer. She's a very funny lady and very smart lady and great to follow at the moment if, like me, you are trying to continue on your journey on educating yourself about race and the shitty old world we live in. She's also hilarious. Um, if you do go and follow her on Instagram, please go and watch her Natasha Bedingfield video. Both she and I agree that it should be viral. It's just like, I don't even, I, I won't do it justice however I explain it. So please go and watch it. That's a bit of self-care for you this week because we all need it. Um, the book we discussed was Race by Toni Morrison, which is great if you haven't read any Toni Morrison before, which I hadn't. Um, I'm reading Beloved now at the moment, which is great. And I think I'm going to try and read The Bluest Eye after this. But Race is kind of a few chapters from a few of her books one short story and then one essay at the end that kind of ties everything in together and you know it's what it says on the tin it's a book about race and kind of covers so many different instances of racism from like out and out lynchings to more subtle things like the lack of representation of black people in the media or in dolls for kids and so on so you know if you haven't read it it's okay you can still listen to the podcast because we kind of start we talk a lot about just the general state of the world at the moment but I would really recommend you read it it's only short and you can get it an ebook on google books for two euro and if you haven't read it, there will be spoilers. Well, actually, I don't even know if I'd call them spoilers this week, but we're going to be talking about the book. And I should also offer a trigger warning. Um, There might be some things in here that you don't feel up to listening at the moment. There is, of course, talk of racial injustice, which I think is important for everyone to listen to. But, you know, there is talk of murder, talk of assault, talk of rape. That might not be what you need to be listening to at the moment. And you need to do what's right for you. And I hope you're keeping well. But anyway, sorry, enough out of me. Sure didn't. I only say I wasn't going to go on too much at the start of this. I will just do my usual reminder or request for if you're enjoying the podcast to like subscribe leave a nice review let me know what you think thank you everyone who said nice things about the oranges are not the only fruit episode Um, I really enjoyed it too and yeah that's kind of what I hope the podcast will be like you know dip in and out if you see we're discussing a book that you love be like oh yeah definitely gonna listen this week and then 
If you don't like it another week, you don't have to. I shouldn't be telling you not to listen (laughs) to the podcast. I hope you listen to it all the time and enjoy it. But anyway, for God's sake, enough out of me. Let's get into the chat. Get comfortable, but not too comfortable for this one. Because we need a bit of discomfort at the moment. If we're going to have a helpful chat that moves us forward as a society. So get ready, will I say. And here it is, talking about Race by Toni Morrison with Sahar Ali. Yeah, let's get into it. Um, So it's obviously kind of like a sampling of a few of her books, like a little a little tapas plate. It is, yeah, it is. It's a... It's a um uh what am I talking about yeah sorry it is examples of uh five or six I think different things and then there's oh you don't know how to pronounce this one um Rekitapu, which is a I was literally just writing that down and I was like oh I'm gonna <laughs> let Samara say that first um, it should have been an audiobook um Rekitapu, that's her only short story and then she has a little essay that she um released not so long ago um called America white again um as well which is kind of the full one but other than that it's um it's uh it's just snippets of some of her other books yeah I suppose that essay at the end kind of tied together like because those snippets are obviously very purposefully you know picked and put in um, yeah. so and what's phenom- what's kind of what's strange um and, and uh, just depressing at the same time is the what's the word um is that the relevancy of her last essay today yeah i know it was it wasn't long ago it was it was probably during um trump's first uh reign yeah it must have been with that okay. title um uh, <laughs> uh but the and but the fact that in that particular make Americans white again make America white again essay she mentions the Black Lives Matter um, she mentions Donald Trump's endorsement well not so much endorsement but basically an endorsement of um, the beating up of a Black Rights Matter um, at his rally yeah. the, right which is still happening and he's still basically endorsing you know oh completely like he's very openly saying violence is the way it is um it's like it's some of the things in that essay we we just kind of forgot and we just let kind of like the she mentions that he his company was sued for not letting black tenants into the, not renting apartments to black people and oh, yeah you see the bar the barack obama's uh birth certificate thing and uh mm. yeah taking black workers off casino floors um, these are all things in his repertoire, not not to mention being endorsed by the KKK and like David Duke. Yeah. Um, and I just, I don't know why we just keep forgetting these things because I genuinely forgot them. It's crazy. But like, yes, the relevance of that essay, but even the relevance of like when she starts off with the chapter from um, the Song of Solomon, the mm. relevance of that and the argument between the two guys the one guy who's part of the um seven days the seven days where like one white person is killed for every black person that's killed and then his like 
friend who he's talking to about it like the arguments that they are having for and against it are like very similar to arguments that we're having with each other today I think about it was they're even similar to like people for and against like the looting and rioting I know like killing someone's not the same but it was like I think he says once like I'm not doing this because I hate white people I'm doing it because I love black people and it's like you know eventually like you have to defend yourself in some way like this is happening yeah absolutely I mean this is this is the thing I was just thinking about the other day like isn't the entire like isn't the entire point of protests to stand up everybody go up in the street and say this is the amount of people that will am I like Chris on this podcast (laughs) please freely and regularly this is the amount of people that would fuck shit up if you don't listen to us yeah like there needs like there needs to be some sort of not threat do you mind if oh can I can you oh sorry can I do you mind like if you have time if you have time could you just stop killing black people that's not the point of protest the protest is like now that's it it's like now there isn't like a a, it's like now or else um yes otherwise nothing will change yeah and the thing about like people being like oh sorry if you have the chance people have also been doing that like they've been trying that option and it's like hello no it's just it's just I don't know (laughs) one thing actually I thought was really really interesting was in her essay um, Make Americans White Again she was talking about um do you know what I want to find the exact quote I think I highlighted it and she was talking about that people you know the concept of um, America is is very much a uh, it, it's it's a it's a concept it's a it's a there's a whiteness to that and there's that like yes um, the privilege I know people hate that word but privilege privilege there you go <laughs> um, of of being able to like live your life freely without even just something as little as like being followed when you go to the mall or whatever it is and they and she said that some people would go as far as um, humiliating themselves to retain the conviction of their superiority to others, especially to black people. They're willing to risk contempt and be revealed by the mature, the sophisticated and, and be reveled by the mature, the sophisticated and strong. And, and she goes on to talk about like, um, sorry, I don't know if that was the right quote. Uh, yeah, sorry, risking the appearance of cowardice. Uh, and she's talking about to go as far as like slaughtering churchgoers who invite a white boy to pray, right? So in reference to Dylan Roof, who killed nine people in the in Charleston um, mm. a couple of years ago, um, so th- that these people are that they're not even thinking about how stupid they look. That is um, so true. To, to even go out and murder somebody, I mean, like everybody knows murder is bad. Right? Yeah, yeah. This this sense of um, that, that that Americanness and the superiority is so important to them that they're willing to to go out and be that one person to do the stupid stuff. Like, do you remember in um, I don't know if you saw this, but during the George Floyd protests in, in, in I can't remember the state, but one of the states, as the protesters were driving by, there was a couple white people who were reenacting the scene. What? And, oh my God! No, I didn't um, see. Uh, and and screaming, you know, 
all lives matter and fuck black lives matter and all this kind of stuff. And um, how, how stupid do. <laughs> oh my God. That is so true. Like, because such a like big part of life and like a danger to a dangerous extent sometimes people want to save face and not look stupid and not have like their um exactly person or character questioned and then yeah when it's like against this movement of black people literally being like oh hi don't kill us they're willing to look like such fools and like such trash and you know what's a really good example of that the, the modern day Karen I was I have been thinking of Karen during everything you say and like your fucking one Amy whatever her name is in the park with her dog because they like Karen it's always like if she was in her like PTA meeting with the really white friends she's not gonna do that like we watch Desperate Housewives we know how they interact with each other right Yes, yes. But when they're in a situation, like such as in, in a store where the person serving them is of lower class than them because you work in a McDonald's and I'm an important yeah. business owner or, or my husband is a cop, whatever it is, then they can escape that to, 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 to keep the structure of the privileges that they have and act out and be stupid. But like they'd never do that at the PTA or, the, or Friday tea party or whatever, you know? No. And it's like, yeah, obviously they're so threatened or so have so much like hate within them. Yeah. That like they'll allow themselves to go to that place, like to behave like disgustingly, but also to look like a fucking fool. Yeah. And, and, and Tony Morrison says like only the frightened would do that. Yeah. It, it all comes from a sense of fear. And, and that fear isn't because like, I don't, I don't, that fear isn't because they, they think that all of us black people are going to get together and like attack the white people. Right. Like, yes. And I mean, like when we, when we sit together and throw ideas around, <laughs> it doesn't tend to be one of them. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's not like let's go and kill people. To be honest, if it was, I would see the argument for it. Like after fucking everything that's happened. Yeah. Um, like you couldn't help but read the the um Song of Solomon chapter and be like, his arguments for this method are extremely valid. Yeah. But like I know no one is saying that at the moment, of course. But like, yeah, and in um I feel like I don't know if you agree, but I feel like she had to um this is the song of solomon is definitely a book i'm gonna i'm probably gonna hit up next but i think you have to somehow invalidate his argument by talking by putting in other things as well you know what i mean when she talked about how everybody wants a black man's life and i completely agree with that theory but then when he was talking about and this is probably being 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 biased considering i am a black woman but he's saying Mm. that even the black woman wants the black man's life Mm. and Mm. uh and the only only the black man doesn't want the black man's life and then he kind of concluded that like oh yes this great question where he said when it comes down to it and perhaps that's what all human relationships boil down to would you save my life or would you take it and he wants a black man's life and it's that it's like would you save my life or would you take it like there's a lot of things that I would I don't want to say I would die for because that's a little bit excessive. It's, that sounds a little bit extreme, but it's true. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I used to always say that, like, you know, I used to would joke around with my friends and I'd be like, listen, if ISIS came in here, I would like drop kick them because if I if I if I died from a bullet by ISIS, like I die a hero, like I'd be a legend. And I, I would definitely <laughs> like stand up against that. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, but uh, there there are a lot of people who are silent right now where when black people are dying and it's really because of a fear of losing their privileges or even being privileged enough to be like oh that doesn't concern me and this isn't like an issue that black people can solve um we we can't get together and start our own seven days group and go around murdering white people like yeah yeah <laughs> this is it, this it's the it's the real kind of bitterness of, of this kind of struggle because there's very little that we can do it's it's kind of in the hands of other other people and other, yeah. instead of you know apart from like getting together and making sure that we vote right and all that kind of stuff but at some point people do have to relinquish that power that they're holding on to yeah exactly and i think that's what um this book kind of highlights so well because it it does break it down to like say like the 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 thing that like the relinquishment is relinquishment um correct sure relinquishing <laughs> let's go with it um of of that privilege yeah. or of that like i guess um you know on one side of that is like oh maybe not getting away with as much stuff as I usually do and then like maybe on the other side of it is like not having a black person's life be less than mine Mm -hmm. and it's like you kind of have to see that all as one to be able to realize how much it actually does need to change yeah because when you really think about it like it's the the relinquishing of power isn't really it's it's not that much work <laughs> yeah exactly when you yeah. when you consider what that actually is for and you know what the fight is for like it's for fucking people's lives yeah. it's similar kind of I feel to like when a white person try, like like myself tries to you know speak up or be involved or post a black square or do something that's like say stupid and like in hindsight not that helpful and like your upset or embarrassment stops you from fucking doing more and it's like okay hang on like take a second and remember what this fight is actually about and then you're gonna hopefully really quickly not care about feeling stupid over something like that because it's about more than yeah. our feelings right now. And if you're doing it for the right reasons, yeah. you'll stop caring about it. The thing is, it's it's about getting rid of that feeling of being stupid as well. It's about normalizing like anti-racism, making it normal so that racists kind of shut up and hide at home. Um, yes. Like, yes. Just shut up, hide at home. Nobody wants to listen to you. Um, mm. If you're a teacher or a policeman, quit your job. Um, you're not mm. a member of society that we want to hear from right now. <laughs> yeah, it's not your time, yeah. baby. And, and but it's but like there's not much we can do for those people who hold those strong beliefs, except for 
shut them up, quieten them down and overpower their voices with errors. Exactly. And like every little, oh, everyone's entitled to their opinion or I don't really have an opinion on that is like an allowance for them to seep back in and have a place in the world right now, which is... Because this is, this is one of the things is that like there's very... So I've, I've, I have a friend of mine who's um, one of my best friends here. She's a, an American um, who who's, has kind of lived in um, a lot of multicultural areas in, in the U.S. And uh, okay. so she's she's just as angry as I am. She's a, she's a um, white Latino lady. Um, but she's just as angry as I am about all of this. But what's really interesting is that the people that we do both know will say things to her that they won't say to me. Right. Okay. So they reply to her stories being like, oh, blah, blah, blah. But they would never say that stuff to me, even though I'd be talking to them at the same time. Or they might post something on their story. If it's somebody that I actually care about, I might just be like, eh, what's that about, buddy? Um, mm. Someone that I don't care about, I won't say anything, but because I'm like, this is kind of a waste of conversation. And this is not, this is kind of the, the it's the job of the people around them to, to educate them. It's not really the job of black people to do that. But if it's somebody that is close to me and I do care, I'll talk to them about it. And she might do the same thing. And then when we exchange notes later, um, the things that they said to her are completely different to the things they said to me. Oh, my God. It's it's that cowardly thing again. It is. That, like, Tony Morrison talks about. Like, why are you willing to, if you really believe that, why won't you say it to a black woman's face? Yeah. Like, okay. what are you so afraid of? You obviously know you're wrong then. Yeah, there, is, is there something wrong with what, what you're saying? Is, what, is that why you're not saying anything? Or or what is it like? Because uh, you're not afraid of exactly. I'm tiny, like. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like, this is the thing, like, oh, this is the thing that I've been talking to a few of my friends about this. And I said to them, like, I think that there's this moment now where a lot of people have woken up to what's going on. I know that uh, this time last year, a lot of people could read this Tony Morrison book and be like, Oh, that was an interesting time. In closing, forget mm. about it. But now people are actually realizing that this stuff is still relevant today. But like we've always lived in that world. We've always known that that stuff existed. Um, and yeah, we um, like we like we like especially for people like me who came to countries like Ireland, um, we had to assimilate into the Western world, knowing that there was things wrong with it. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And we and uh, like I, I had very like uh, I, I come from a Muslim family so we had like our, our Muslim beliefs of like you know duh, 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 no drinking la 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 all that kind of stuff so we knew that right. society in general wasn't for us and our parents would kind of help us out with that kind of thought process and I, and I can understand that my parents coming in from their background into a western world they also could see that there were something some things in this world that they didn't want us involved in so they yeah, understood that there's something off about this world but they didn't have the vocabulary for it the kind of vocabulary that we have for it now like systematic systemic um racism um and but we we'd always we've always known it you know i think a a good analogy was always like um santa claus because for me growing up muslim when i was like six years old and senior infants and everybody was like oh santa's coming and i'm good oh i I wonder if i'm gonna be on the nice list or the naughty list and I'm just there like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't on the yeah. list, buddy. <laughs> um, 
And then everybody, and then we get to like, I don't know, whatever year people figure out Santa doesn't exist. And everyone's like, it was a lie the whole time. I wasn't, I didn't get these gifts because I deserve them. And I'm like, yes, honey, it's a privilege. And you're like, <laughs> oh my God, that is spot on. But we, we don't have known it. It's just that once we get older and older, we could also be able to put words on it, words on it. Somebody be like, oh, what's that called? Oh, that's microaggression. Blah, blah, blah. So it was a learning process for us as well, you know? Um, of course. Of course. It's something that I used to call taking the black pill. And I think for me, it was like 2014, 2015 when I, when I took the black pill. And I really, because we always thought that racism was like a couple nasty people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Five or six years ago that I realized it was like the world. It was the system. It was everybody. Um, yeah. And it's it's nice to see that people are seeing that now because this is the first time we're talking about systemic oppression as opposed to oppress as a, a small amount of oppressors. Yeah, I think that's, um, I mean, a good thing that I, I feel is more present in the conversation at the moment it's like no that little thing that happens in your life and doesn't happen to someone else's that is racism that's part of the bigger thing and I feel like maybe I just wasn't as present in the conversation before but I do feel like there's more of that element Mm -hmm. at the moment to like the discussions we're having and even the like um stuff that's available like on Instagram or in articles to read or like yeah I just feel like that has become more of the conversation and hopefully that's you know gonna take it further yeah and I feel like maybe before white people thought that they were the experts of racism because they're the ones who did it yes (laughs) but now they're realizing that we're the experts on racism because we're the ones who live it you know yeah. How many times yes. before when I'm like, this person said this to me, and everyone's like, "What do you mean? Like your hair is exotic. Why didn't you let them touch it? Like every time I want to, see, I see hair, I want to touch it. You know what I mean? And it's like, mm. it's, uh, like it's like it's like we have a PhD in something, and someone who's just done their junior year on racism is like, actually, that's uh, that's incorrect. Um, that's so true. Or like, people take a backseat as well. Yeah, and yeah, to stop being like, because the denial, it even, like, even the vocabulary of it is almost so Irish in itself, like, for you to, like, speak about your experience in Ireland, and for an Irish person to immediately say, like, ah, no, God, no, like, they must have, they must have meant this. Because they're thinking about things in the logic of the world that they understand, but they don't, but they're not acknowledging the, the presence of systemic oppression in the same way like if a man was to excuse another man being creepy for something without actually acknowledging the patriarchal structures or the power dynamics and whatnot um, because you can't have the conversation without understanding those things and you definitely can't be an expert in the conversation if you don't understand those things if you don't if you're not understanding the systemic oppression exists then um, shut up basically you don't know what you yes. Do. If you haven't fucking lived it, and if you learned about it, you know, two minutes ago, maybe listen to someone who, you know, yeah. is a bit more is a bit more up to speed. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like a lot of obviously, there's a lot of um, white people who are like super outspoken about it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then there's like, um, still, you found out about it two weeks ago, so like you're not. <laughs> 
literally three weeks ago you were yeah. just straight up chilling being like oh yeah i know a racist my my my, my great uncle is a racist um and now you're you only now you're like oh wait the system is racist okay yeah um, everything so one of the really interesting interesting things she mentioned in the in the book oh which chapter was it i think it was the songs of solomon one mm, um, it's our fave where she mentioned um how she was like there was a time where a jury would not acknowledge yeah it was from the song Solomon the jury would not they said the back then she said there are places right now where where a negro still can't testify against a white man um, mm. where the judge the jury the court and are legally bound to ignore anything that a, a, a black person has to say legally bound uh, and that mm. means that a black a black man is a victim of a crime only when a white man says he is and and vice versa so that's why like things like you know Emmett Till um a few years ago was murdered um because he because a because a white woman said that he looked her yeah and the there's a the case of the exonerated five which is the the they're the topic of a, a Netflix TV show by Ava DuVernay if that's how you say her surname yeah um, so when they see us yes when they see us and uh they had just kind of picked up five boys between the ages of like 13 and 16 if I remember correctly and um they would they've been in, they were arrested for like from seven to 15 years um one of them was tried as an adult and um man you could see the effect on him it was horrible and he uh, and, oh, fuck. yeah and they were recently not recently but they were exonerated a few years later not a few 15 or so years later of after sitting in prison for 15 years because um dna was found to show that they didn't do it um but all that all that had to happen was just for a couple of white people to convince themselves that they did it um and yeah. trick them into testifying that they did it um even though they they didn't have any proof and the dna didn't match or anything like that you know and um, and it's so easy for them to do that because the whole system is geared towards that kind of stuff happening mm. so it's like very simple to frame or to frame yeah like people of color to something like something they had nothing to do with yeah um and it, it, it happens so so often um there's a I, I read yesterday about a case where a man has sat in jail for 15 years because a woman had a dream that he raped her um what the fuck? i couldn't find any real sources other than the daily mail so let's not just let's not pretend that that was a, a, a <laughs> blah, blah, blah. but uh but, but you'd believe it like yeah yeah <laughs> But um, that's the thing about the police. Like the police system was uh, started, uh, and I guess Songs and Solomon kind of touches on that too. Um, the, it started to catch runaway slaves. Yeah, that's what it was. And, and then the KKK kind of joined in, and uh, and and then we have the police force today. So thinking about the police force being with having the white supremacy ingrained into it actually born from it and then uh the the legal system of the juries not believing black people um is kind of the amalgamation of the of the result that evolved into the system that we have today and th- like these aren't things that you just delete <laughs> control all yeah. the system you have to you have to 
destroy it and start all over again. You don't, you can't dilute white supremacy um, unless, uh, unless uh, you put a little black jeans in there and whatever. But yeah, you can't dilute it. You have to, you have to kind of start all over again. There's another great book, but um, you know the little green. Yeah, it's it's another penguin serious book mm. by Audrey Lorde called uh, "The Master's Tools Will Never Dismantle the Master's House." Um, oh yes I think I saw that on your list that just um is is such great wording even for the title it's like drop straight away yes immediately because like when you um when we talk about like the like how the police started like yeah to to catch like to basically put like ex-slaves back where they were essentially it's like that's I guess comes from fear like imagine if you'd done some something that fucked up to people for 200 years mm. like you're gonna be like oh shit they're gonna be mad yeah. like duh um, but it's that same fear like they weren't afraid that the slaves would kill them or and murder them and all that kind of stuff they were afraid that they would lose their slaves <laughs> yes <laughs> you know? yes because it's not the thing about it. Like, they don't go home and go, oh, my God, I'm so scared what these black people are going to do. Yeah. I don't think they have these conversations. Um, but mm. I, that maybe that's just me giving them the benefit of the doubt that, I, that I'm presuming that there isn't, like, a bunch of policemen being like, oh, let's go kill some black people today. But, like, there could well be, and there probably is. But, like, but I, it's so deeply ingrained into them. That, yeah, oh my like, God. unsaid. They don't even need to... Because one is, I saw this guy and he was giving, um, he gave an account of a police ride along that he went on with a, a fellow classmate of his, basically, who wanted to be a policeman. And the guy was basically, he was, he was just on traffic. So he was just watching people um, driving around looking. He wasn't like waiting at a spot, seeing who was speeding or whatever it was. He was trying to keep people safe. He was literally driving around the city, looking, running plates for random cars trying to find something to do right yeah right and um, which is not like that's I, I don't know and then he found a car for a guy who was who had just got out of jail mm. so this guy had just got out of jail the guy ran the plate and realized he didn't have his tax or whatever but he had just got out of jail right mm. and he was just like he just he was just picking up his car to like collect his family and then go home and then he wasn't gonna drive again right Mm. but he saw that he stopped he pulled over and then what happened was once it went through the the police radio and other cops heard what was happening they kept cops kept appearing oh my god so by the end of it there was like 30 cop cars all all coming to join the the game come to join the fun you know and so that's kind of like that's the culture of cops in america that they're just looking for action yeah like get a life exactly oh my god that's why that's why so many things escalate that's why you see there's like two cops and then suddenly there's like six cops and suddenly there's like eight and ten and twenty because one person hears it on the scanner and everybody else is like that's okay let's uh, i want to see what's happening and then they all commit come in they all appear guns drawn because they're looking for 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 some action they're looking for something to do yes and and this is the thing they're so ready to pull their triggers when it comes to the 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 african-american community there's so i've watched so many horrific videos where the interaction 
starts and literally seconds later there's a gunshot yeah sure like you see it you see it like explicitly play out like just fucking the other day with Rayshard Brooks um mm. it's like you I think I, I saw I can't remember where I saw this but it was like if you're a cop or a policeman like you should be prepared for you know action or a bit of a scuffle or a combat like you can't just shoot your gun like yeah you might be you're at risk sometimes a situation yes de-escalate like don't just fucking shoot that's it like that's not your job or if it is if it seems to be in the fucking job description it shouldn't be that all needs Mm. to be dismantled and that's why defund the police there was one of these there's this comedian in um in the u.s um his instagram handle is prana haha um, and he, he he was on his Instagram the other day and he was like, isn't it so funny how we like find like the biggest bullies in jocks in college, in school, and we give them guns and six months training and then just let them out on the street. Oh my God, so hilarious. Mm. Yeah. It, it is, it's like a high school bully. It's like, what's his name? Brett or whatever his name is from Future, Back to the Future and those guys. Yes. Um, that's that's who they are. Like they're the bullies who have like no, because like they need a high school education and a, and 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 that's it so they can go straight from high school after tormenting people and then turning into cops and you do hear a lot of stories of being like oh yeah this guy was such a prick in school and you could see it with the big meathead square faces like yes it's <laughs> it's, it's that's just the, the kind of people that are that are being hired right now it's people who are like have had some sort of wrong done against them that they've never gotten over and that they carry into every aspect of their daily lives and are like making people who've had nothing to do with that pay forever. Yeah. And they're also in a like serious position of power. Yeah. You know, that's and, and then like even when we we're talking about like female cops or whatever, like in any kind of murder of african-americans by a, a woman mm. um it's usually been a male so it's kind of that criminalization of like black men so that when a white woman sees him he's like she, you know she's she's afraid um yes but also racist <laughs> that's like that stupid fear that's been spoon-fed to white people since um like what's that movie um like they show it at the start of the thirteenth, um, where you know the black man, like, yeah. like oh. it's like that thing that's been like fed to us to believe, like, yeah. oh, you should fear this person when they're literally sitting in their homes. Yeah, and that you know, like that you know that <laughs> sorry to get a little bit uh, PG eighteen or whatever. Okay. You know that stereotype of like black men have huge dicks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've like, heard of them. <laughs> no, not me to say that. Um, <laughs> that comes from back in the day, they wanted to um, deter white women from dating black men. So they told them that their they, white woman couldn't handle the huge black dicks. Mm. Yeah, like it's mad to hear like when you're getting into it now, how like all those things, those stereotypes come from literally slave times. Yeah, like even that stereotype of like African-Americans and watermelon, like yeah. once uh, the in, enslaved people kind of started to see their freedom, they used uh, 
watermelon was kind of the symbol of freedom. Mm. Um, so it was kind of used in their in their art or whatnot, just to just to be like, just as a symbol as like, mm. oh, we're free. Use the watermelon. So that's why they were the watermelons were then used to ridicule them, and that's why they started doing imagery of like big black um, cartoons with like ridiculous over like over what's the word uh, exaggerated exaggerated features and, and watermelon to, to ridicule that and it's like minstrel style drawings as well um so it, it, it really is like insane the amount of like things that are, are kind of taken away or or contrived into into something else like one of the things that yeah. was mentioned in um in 13th was no sorry in when they see us is the word um wilden yes yeah because we, we, basically african-american children in that time used to use and they still kind of do use the word wilden without a d mm. and that means to just like hang out with your friends and have a good time um but it was then used against them yeah. in this case. and it was tr- and they they misheard it <laughs> yes so they were, right they misheard it and they turned it into wilding and they were like uh rumors that the kids are wilding tonight and it just means we're gonna go hang out but they turned it into like looting and stealing and robbing yes, this and thing to off. fear and this yeah. like thing to further like divide like exactly. oh, be afraid of this thing that we don't know what it is. Exactly. It's like and if I, somebody listened to like a couple Irish kids conversation and went, "I think they're all gonna do crack tonight." Yeah. And right. Like, exactly. Crack. No. Oh, he's no crack. He's a lot of crack. I think they're. I think they're all gonna do drugs tonight. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And then that becomes like our entire culture, like fearing <laughs> that kids are gonna do crack. Um, which you know, sure, they might. <laughs> but um, but like, uh, what was I gonna say? Yeah, I was listening to um, uh, a podcast about the um, the um, exonerated five, and there was the woman in the podcast was saying that uh, that was a time for like a lot of there was a lot of crime happening um in New York, and they were really looking to pin it on someone not even just those five boys but to pin it on one community so that they could almost like show that they were dealing with it somehow and um that the week after there was that rape of the woman in the park there was the rape of a sorry now like trigger warning there was the rape of a black woman and she was thrown off a building and like she luckily survived but the compar like the comparison of like how this um case of this white woman in the park was dealt with compared to that I don't like I I wasn't like following the news at the time this happened but like you don't hear about that case at all and it's like so many yeah. rape cases that you hear nothing about like the reason this was so oh. famous was because it was like yes we've got these kids now who didn't even do it but it's like we can prove everything that we've been trying to say about like black and brown boys and men are dangerous towards our women exactly and I don't know like I I, I don't know if this is like even a a related point but I was thinking about this the other day about how like I'm I'm sure it is but um how uh 
Cosby's been out attacking women for years, years. Yes, yes. Many people have come forward about it, but nobody really listened until kind of Hannibal did it on stage in front of the right audience. Yes. Uh, and his victims were predominantly black women. Mm. And, uh, but like, what, but like, I don't, I, obviously we've come to a different time now. We have like more social media that is more like accessible to people and whatnot. But like, think about like how Kevin Hart, for example, was, was removed from, well, he, he removed himself from the Oscars for tweets um, that were, that, that exposed his um, kind of homophobia back in the, back in like 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, and he was, it, like immediately punished for that um, whereas at the same time like around the same time frame as his tweets Amy Schumer, Sarah Silverman and, and other female comics had very similar homophobic tweets Yes, that were exposed by Nick Cannon but nobody kind of cared because it was more like there is that like societal it's punishment because Cosby deserves everything he gets and he should be put to life but yes. <laughs> But the fact that his his victims were black women, it didn't mean anything to anybody. But uh, but uh, but then things like you know Kevin Harsh is harshly punished, but he, yes. the other women are not given; they're not put to the same standards as um as people as 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 a black man is. Completely, completely. That's the thing with the sorry not to keep going back to it but the when they see us I'm like since when do the cops and the fucking courts take rape this seriously you fucking dismiss it all the time or say it didn't happen so since when are you so obsessed with getting someone you let this shit slide all the time and like because it wasn't you know originally it wasn't just those five that were arrested it was a couple of them and they mm. think they want to kind of make it seem like, oh, we caught a gang of them, you know? Yes, um, yes. Because there was a kind of a lot of gang crimes and whatnot, which was, well, it wouldn't have ever happened or existed if if if, um, if this didn't happen, because obviously a lot of that stuff was induced by low socioeconomic backgrounds and, yeah. and the drugs that were fed into the streets by the... Um, in the in the Nixon era, era. yeah, so. it's like you just fucking caused it, mate. Like, so stop exactly. acting surprised. Um, yeah, fucking hell, it's just everywhere. Um, just to go back to the book quickly, I want to talk about the bluest eye chapters. Mm, yeah, um, because I think they so well put in perspective how damaging like lack of representation like even in childhood like no black dolls available to buy like seeing no black people on tv like I think it really like well um articulated how damaging that can be and how fucking serious it is yeah I mean like one of the things I noticed in that in that in that particular chapter um, in those chapters is that she she mentions like Shirley Temple and Bojangles who is Bill Robinson like Bill Robinson was like the highest paid African-American entertainer of that time Mm. and he's a singer 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 singer, um, actor dancer and all that kind of stuff that kind of uh, became famous during the minstrel era Mm -hmm. and then like he he was huge and he's a huge part of African American history. Um, but only black people will talk about him. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and uh, well, Shirley Temple has a drink called after her, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, but it, it was really interesting, especially like her relationship with that the the first um, doll as well about yeah. how she. Um, but also what's really interesting is that when she's talking, she, so she has a doll and she's like pulling it apart or whatever. And someone says yeah. to her, back in my day, I didn't have a doll. You should be taking care of your doll. And yeah. I remember when I was younger, like I, I had dolls and I wanted to like cut their hair and like make clothes, cut their clothes off and make clothes for them and stuff. Right. And everyone was like, well, don't do that. Don't waste the doll or whatever. You're ruining it. But like, that was, that was the hindrance to my creativity. Yes. You know? <laughs> So the like, fact that like people are like, oh, you, I I never had a doll, so you should take care of her. But like maybe she wanted to 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 make it something else, you know? Um, exactly. I thought like giving, and I guess like that is kind of like a bit, you know, you can see that in the toys boys get versus the toys girls get. Like, you know, the toys boys get have like gadgets, and you make them do stuff, and you know, you like you know can there's activity in it whereas for a girl you get a doll and the activity is to like maybe change it's nappy or yeah. like there is no like that's not fun really or but you know like, the thing like I when I, by the time they had black dolls in Ireland I had grown out of dolls yeah fucking hell and like I think um I think I thought of this when I you had a story up the other day about black makeup that's available and like you having to bring your own foundation and stuff to shoots yeah um and I thought like that was kind of another moment for me where I'm like fuck like privilege is everywhere I've never had to worry about that and probably never will I mean I mean like because I ended that story by saying, I know this isn't like a huge, because this is the thing about us. Like some, sometimes my friends will come and be like, oh my God, did you hear what he said the other day or whatever? This guy is such a racist. And I'd be like, you know what? That sounds like a white people problem. As right. In like, yeah. go check your own people. If it's something mm-hmm. like, if someone in your community says something stupid and um, go check him, that's for you to do. And um, mm-hmm. we have bigger problems to face. So yes. for us, we kind of, you know, like no one's going to go on the street now and be like, more makeup now. But, but, but it, so we don't complain as much because we know there's other things to be worrying about. But, but even on, even on that, if, if I was to complain now, it'd be like, you know, you could walk into a pharmacy and pick up a three year foundation. Yeah. Yeah, but, exactly. Know, but I would never, I still can't do that, you know? That yeah. the drugstore brands and stuff still wouldn't suit my skin color. Even here in, in Dubai, I'd have to like spend thirty euro on a foundation to get one that actually suits my skin tone. Yeah, except for that, the dream matte mousse, which is like actually the same as putting the chocolate mousse on your face. It was so thick. Oh, um, I remember it vividly. Um, that was the first drugstore makeup that actually was my skin tone. Yes, fuck. I remember I had the bronzer of it, um, which really should not have been available to white people it was borderline black yeah. like, so I wouldn't ha- I wouldn't be able to get a face powder so I'd, I I when I was younger I'd just get a bronzer put all over my face and then I'd look in the mirror and be like oh, I'm covered in glitter what have I done yeah fuck's um, sake um yeah as you say I know like there are bigger issues and it's like you almost don't even have the time to touch on that because people are yeah. literally being murdered in the streets and it's not to say that your page is about makeup like you're sharing far more um 
pressing. But I have like I have yeah it's, it's, yeah. So when I do talk about stuff like that, I kind of talk about how because you don't want yeah. you don't want so, and, and and I guess a part of that is like I I've kind of learned how to talk to white people about this kind of stuff as well. So I know there'll be someone coming up being like, oh, she's doing around about makeup now. So I had to emphasize how it's not really that important to us, but it's still a factor. Like I did a fantastic shoot. My last shoot that I did was so good. I had a great mm. photographer, professional photographer. He works for Irish Independent. He's amazing. And uh, it was absolutely, it was ruined. It was ruined because the the makeup artist used like the darkest contour on her palette and a white person palette to do my whole foundation. And like, it took so bad and she didn't I like I had my foundation with me but she didn't have I'm like I like she's a makeup artist I don't want to be like do you don't know what you're doing do this instead but that's absolutely what I should be doing because they they don't know what they're doing sometimes and it is a due to a lack of education but it's also a lack of them not educating themselves as as, as much as it is like beauty skills not teaching them it yeah they should kind of take it upon themselves to like not to be for me to be saying what people should and shouldn't do but like you know care about this prepare yourself like to do the makeup of a person who has a different skin color to yours and like especially if you want to provide a service like make sure you know how to do it yes like I'm a software developer but I'm not going to be like, here, I can build your computer for you, even though I've never touched hardware before. Like, I'll build a robot for you because I know how to make an app. Like, that's it's it should be common sense. But I, I did have a lot of makeup artists go, do you know what? Come to think of it, I never was taught that. And I'm like, well, should have thought of it before. <laughs> but, yes. um, there is, like, a, a balance that right now of, like, I told you so that we ha- we're, we're holding in and bitterness mm-hmm. of, like, okay, now you're here, but what are you going to do about it? Course. a little bit of hope because people are awake now um but it's exhausting you know what I mean like it's probably been an exhausting week, week or two or three for everybody but like genuinely the that exhaustion that every that the allies are feeling is something that we feel on a daily daily basis mm. um gen like the, the to the same level because these these like stories of like um uh police brutality and whatnot or or whatever it is like we it's not like we're not looking at that every day. We are looking at that every day. That's why I get really annoyed when people message me on, send me on Instagram. They'll send me a video about, about something or whatever. And I'm like, this is an education. Yeah. An education process for you. It's not for me. Like, I, I, I know this stuff. I can find it. I can look for it. I, I, I can, I've read the books. I've read the essays. I've, this is my life. You can take this educational journey on your own. You don't need to drag yeah. me in and send me videos of, like, police brutality every time you see it. Because for you, you're watching it and you're like, oh yeah, this is terrible, uh, this police man should be arrested, and I, I understand that you, you're empathizing about it, you're angry, and you want to send it to somebody else who cares, and maybe people in your circle aren't the people who care, but you know that I'm outspoken, you want to send it to me so we can like be mutually angry or whatever, which is completely understandable. But when I get sent a video of a black person being hurt, what, I'm, what you're saying to me is, look what can be done to you. Yes, it's, yeah. It's not the same as, like, uh, I dare you to send me a video of a white man being murdered. I dare you. Because you wouldn't do that. Mm. You wouldn't do that. It's not as normalized and you're not as desensitized to it. Um, so why are you sending me videos of black men being murdered? And it's, I, I actually saw, I can't fucking remember, like, the where I've seen everything. Because there's so much, like, great information at the moment. But I saw a really good Instagram like one of those kind of illustrations of the kind of almost levels of knowledge like obviously 
Mm. People who are living this and have, you know, been aware and it's been like your life for however long. And then there's, you know, air quotes, woke white people who are like, you know, have the knowledge or learning it and they come, they come second, like, and then, you know, their racist aunties, let's say, come third. It's like when someone in the middle tier, like the air quotes woke white person gets knowledge, like take a second and think like, where is that more helpful to be spread? Don't send it upwards to people who already know and to people who it's their life. Send it downwards where it might be able to actually affect change. Otherwise, why are you fucking doing it? Absolutely. You've actually worded that well, well. Like that, that is perfect. That's the perfect way of wording it. And the, the, another thing you have to think about is that like those people at the bottom tier um, in, as an ingo, infograph, not as a bottom tier of society because it's a stupid yeah, yeah, concept. Yeah, of course. <laughs> For anyone listening, well, we might be confused. And mm. um, the people in the middle have more access to them. So yes. those are the people with the most violent opinions and the most repressive opinions. And they're the ones that are more harmful to the black people. But you, you in the middle are the ones who can access it. Like, I'm not going to sit down with your racist uncle and give him reasons why I should be alive. That's your job. Yes. Yeah. There's, um, you're literally like, ask, like, before you fucking start sharing that stuff and asking black people black to people. help you educate your family, ask what you're asking ask yourself what you're asking of them you're asking them to literally um defend their right to life yeah which is like don't be getting someone to do that you know I think like fucking have that conversation yourself myself as a white person with my own family or friends who might need to be educated or learn a bit like don't we, we know like we've, we a lot of us have learned how to speak to white people so I know right. that if one of my white friends will send me a video I'll be like I'll I'll engage to a certain level because mm. sometimes they need a pat on the back <laughs> so they can be like this is good work let me continue it with other people mm, mm. I shouldn't have to do that no no and, um uh but 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 I I go out of my way to do it anyway because I know some people need that pat on the back to be like this is good work I'm a superhero I'm gonna go tell my I'm gonna go tell my racist uncle to go fuck himself Mm. and (laughs) people need need that kind of sometimes they need that step and they also need to learn to not go out asking it from from uh not going out like to black people to get that kind of approval before they work because it like once you educate yourself a lot you know in your heart of hearts that this is right once you read the books the whatever um all the resources there's so many there's so many yeah. um you know that you don't need to go to your favorite black instagrammer and ask them questions um yes uh, so it, you kind of need to educate yourself a little bit more um if if you still think that you need um to speak to a black person about this um, I understand that like need to speak to a black person about it like even if like you know there's a lot of like transphobia going around and like there's obviously an urge to be like oh I want to go talk to one of my trans friends and ask them questions but right. uh, but instead I'm gonna go and educate myself and learn and therefore that I, I'm, I'm 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 climbing up that there because it's the same tier in in the same 
that same information to your level as, as the one that you just described when it comes to like transphobia, transphobia yeah. or sexism, yes. whatever it is. So I can educate myself so I can, I can kind of reach them up there. Because mm -hmm. in terms of like your beliefs or your knowledge, there's also like the, the different levels of it. And then there's like understanding that society makes us racist by default. Yeah, you have to unlearn this. And before that, there's people who were like, okay, racism is bad. That's kind of where people start. Mm. Once they go upwards, they realize that society makes us racist by default. There's just things in it. And like, I know that people are like, people won't understand that concept. They're like, what do you mean? Like, I'm not racist. But like, if me, a black woman, has those negative connotations about other black people in her mind that I've been taught by society, then yeah. I dare you to look me in the face and tell me you don't. Exactly. Because I do. So how do you not? Exactly. Exactly. And uh, and then it goes upwards and upwards until you reach the top tier, which is like reparations for everybody. But you can't pull somebody down from like racism is bad up to reparations for for everybody because that's like that's the top, that's the extreme tier. Um, right. And you got you got a baby step upwards. Um. Uh. You yeah you got a baby step up and then it's sometimes it's easier for you if you're if you're um if you're lower down to, to pull up other people. That's why you got to check. You got to check your own people. Um, yeah. Like that's, you know, checking each other and, you know, I guess. It's the same with guys, right? Like I always said that, I remember, I remember a guy said, I can't even remember what happened, but I remember a guy said something to me. No, a guy was like, um, he said something. I was like, thanks. And he was like, hug. And then he came and told me, and I was like, uh, no. And his friend um, put his hand on his shoulder and went, consent, bro. Right. Good luck. <laughs> and, he, and he was like, oh, shit. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. And I was like, there's so much power in that. All you had to do was put your friend, shoulder on another guy's hand and be like, bro, come on. Exactly. It's and like. Bro How easy was that for him? You know, yeah. you didn't even have to say anything. You didn't have to educate him. You had to be like, bro, come on yeah and that's it but it's so much easier for for him to do that than for me to be like actually do you know like the reason that the patriarchy is not just bad for women it's also bad for men and it's just like mm -hmm. we can you sit down do you have an hour for me to talk to me about it when a man yeah. can just be like oh stop doing that I mean you could have phrased it in the exact same way and the guy yeah. probably would have been like oh this is an attack on me mm. like because we're fucking programmed to think that Exactly, and we're also we're not just programmed to think that we're also programmed to think that what other th people think of you. Yeah, so this guy is already like, oh, she must think I'm that. She doesn't know anything. But when your friend is like, when your friend who knows you and understands you, and he knows yeah. that you're a good person or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Tells you about it. It's not gonna. You're not gonna be as offended because you you believe that they're coming at you as like. Hey, you're a good guy, but maybe we as a society should stop doing that instead of an attack. Um, um, yeah. But like that's, that's what we need to deprogram ourselves from like assuming what other people are gonna assume about us. Like it's not about you, so you mm. gotta take that take that away as well. Like like that's why when it's so important now to to accept people correcting you, so that yeah. if you were to do something wrong, you can be like, you know what, I did uh, actually. You're right. Uh, sorry, I never thought of it that way. Cool, I want it again. Halas, we're done. That's why I never used to say to people, um, well, a while ago, once I started learning about this, I used to, I would never say you're a racist. Mm. I would say what you just said is racist. 
Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise they'll see it as an attack. But mm. once they learn, they because people are just so obsessed with this concept of like being a good, they, everybody wants to believe that they're a good person. Mm. So once you say that what you said is racist, they'll question the sentence as opposed to like themselves themselves but not that they would question themselves there's just a question instead of questioning your opinion of who they are they can question the sentence instead and it's such a more productive way to live as a society to instead of um see but we have to be willing to like be checked and like you know like for example i posted a a picture that i saw on instagram and it was a bunch of white men playing monopoly right and uh, there was houses and everything and money on the board. It was a cartoon. And underneath yeah. the table, there was a lot of, like, black men being crushed underneath, a lot of black people being crushed. Oh, yeah. And the caption was, um, all you have to do is stand up. Because if they stood up, they can remove the board and everyone would be fine, you know? Mm-hmm. So I shared that on my Instagram. And then someone came along and was like, listen, do you not think this has, like, anti-Semitic connotations? And I was like, do you know what? I was like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I was like, um, I don't, I don't see it. Um, mm-hmm. And then... I went off, I took the photo, I did like a backwards Google image search and I realized that actually there was a lot of anti-Semitic connotations in that, not even in picture in general because it wasn't like white men, but that specific picture, it was okay. um, it was used kind of for like anti, anti-Jewish anti propaganda. Oh, okay. Um, so I was like, all right, yeah, okay, um, you're right. And then um, he, he, he sent me like a, a one-hour video, which I actually haven't watched, but, <laughs> but like, I was like, yeah, you're right, actually. I was like, I came back. First of all, I was like, I don't, what do you, I don't see it. I don't know what you're talking about. And then he meant, he said something. I remember what he said. I went to research and I came back and went, bro, I just researched it. And that picture is anti-Semitic as fuck. And it was so easy. You know, it wasn't like, it was, it was just such an easy interaction. There wasn't, I wasn't going to go off and be like, what do you mean I'm anti-Semitic and free Palestine. It wasn't like, I didn't go crazy. I was just like, yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah. And that was so simple, but some people are just taking it as like a personal attack, attack it, as yeah. instead of a, a growth, uh, a learning a journey, a learning journey instead. Just so, yeah. which is so easy to do in this in this day and age of like social media. Somebody says something to you, you go, "You're wrong." Block. See you later. Mm. Um, it's kind of the, it's the it's the issue with cancel culture cancel that culture, people yeah. are canceling each other instead of. Um, educating each other or even like reaching out and being like let's make this better like if you really believed at like what was at the heart of cancel culture like oh yeah these people shouldn't have a platform or a voice the more productive thing to do would be to talk with that person and like you know maybe help them not take those beliefs into their real life because all you're yeah. doing is cancelling their online presence they're probably still going to go out and think that so who are you or what are you really helping by just taking exactly. and then for, for the bigger voices who are who can't be silenced what the only thing you can do is drown out their voices yes and um, instead of like blocking them and pretending that it's I mean far like far away it's your right to block somebody and not want to associate with them as well but but if you if you want to cancel somebody, then you put your money where your mouth is, and also drown out their voices as well. And yeah. Otherwise, you're not really doing any work. Otherwise, you're just kind of making a, a safer headspace for you, but you're not making a safer place for the people that those for the opinions of that person attack. So, um, like if it was like a an um, if it was a racist person, you have to drown out their voices and make sure that the people whose their opinion is 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 hurting are are unhurt by that. Yeah. In, in, in any way possible um in in the in the same way as like 
for you know like the, the Louis CKs of the world um we you have to do the work so that those people don't exist anymore yeah. I don't mean kill them I mean like their thought process does no, not exist yeah, no, anymore no. <laughs> <laughs> oh look a girl can dream Mm. um but yeah no exactly like do your work or your activism in a productive way that's actually that's actually doing something not just being like look at me I'm doing this I'm not racist it's like you know put your money where your mouth is not literal money your sometimes money but your body where your mouth is your fucking things that you can do to help rather yeah. than just saying but absolutely your your literal money as well to be fa- yeah. to be fair and <laughs> um, bad like power dynamic there that uh s- sending the money around and, and elevating vo- other voices and whatnot even when it comes to like huge class disparities and stuff like we we, you know, that's why we, we, you go to a restaurant during Corona where these waiters haven't been working for so long. Like if you have the power to tip hard, then tip hard, you know, yeah. um, to uh, donating to the Black Lives Matter movement instead of putting a black square on your page or, mm-hmm. or um, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Do the action as well as like, I know sometimes you see, like for a lot of people, you might be seeing these phrases or these quotes or whatever on Instagram so much you almost become desensitized to them like for example take action but then if you actually break down what that is you'll be like oh yeah that's what I need to do it's not just a quote it's like do something you know so consume that um, because this is the thing sometimes like there's a huge power to social media you know like I yeah like last year I did we not last year it was during in Ireland in 2017 18 during the Belfast rape trial right this podcast comes with a huge trigger warning by the yeah. way <laughs> <laughs> no, and uh, we some of us got together and started like a, a an organization called ASPE which is Action Against Sexual Violence in Ireland mm. and um, uh, we met up in uh, the someplace and we had regular meetings like what can we do let's let's write some legislation and send it up to the government or whatever we had women from kind of all over the and men from all over different backgrounds and stuff so they really had the power to do the work and whatnot but they were all white right so um I joined and I said and I and I and it, it was I was a little bit baffled by the experience because I mentioned the term white feminism yeah. and the activists allies and feminists didn't know what that meant um so uh for those at home (laughs) white feminism is feminism that elevates white women to the same status as white men leaving everybody else behind yeah yeah Um, they hadn't understood that concept and and me just explaining it to them had such a huge effect on the way that they now do their activism um and that was like that was just like a, a a three to four minute rant that I went. Actually, it's probably longer knowing me. <laughs> and then rant that I went on that day, and uh, I'm like I'm living here out in Dubai. Like we we actually didn't have any protests or anything like that because it's just um we had very strict lockdowns and for the for the Corona thing, and it's just people don't tend to protest here. Yeah. And um, 
so I had to do all my work through social media, which oh, is incredibly exhausting for, for me, considering that I'm used to taking up a placard and a megaphone and running up and down the streets yeah. of Ireland. Um, so I had to kind of do all my work through through social media. And it, it, um, it I, you can do a lot. You can do a lot from sharing. And, and my followers are predominantly white Irish people as well. Yeah, yeah. And you can do a lot from that. Like I, I made a video specifically for Irish teachers um uh telling them about my experience of learn teaching and learning in ireland uh my educational experience in ireland and um where it all started from uh the depiction of christopher columbus as a modern day hero and mm. um, and uh and how basically i, I my conclusion was two pieces of advice because i couldn't really give any advice to actual teachers who who know what they're doing but but from the race um point of view was that like um to, to first of all be aware of all these things uh, that are going on right now so that when you're teaching things like Roll of Thunder, Here, I'm, here, here I Cry, or like Othello to your students, yeah. that you're not like, oh, this is a terrible thing that happened in the past, but good thing it doesn't happen anymore. Um, yeah. Because then there, then we go back, then what happens then is we go back to that concept of like there's a few racists in the world instead of um, acknowledging systemic racism. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and I got an influx of teachers who who had taken. I, I, I we talked about how the work that they do right now, um, which is great. Some of them and the the work that they plan to do, having watched the video and stuff like that. And um, you really, yeah, you can really do a lot through social media. I I believe. Um, oh yeah, completely. That's why when people are like, I don't know, almost like belittling social media at the moment I'm Mm. like first of all most of us many of us are in lockdown so we're not seeing each other so it's literally how we communicate and like I don't think any of us can deny the power of social media like literal social media influencers make a living a very successful living off of this it works so why not use it to spread information that's life-saving and that can change. Think about like how this this all started off with something that happened in the US and now companies all over the world and countries are now questioning the systemic racism that occurs in their countries. Yeah, yeah. From something that's happening in America. It's not like every nobody they didn't look at that and go, isn't it terrible? America's terrible. Um, um but they they went, Oh, actually, you know what? We actually have the same structures here. Yeah. And that that was all through that was all through social media yeah exactly the yeah if it wasn't for all this like work that's being done by people on social media the that it still would have been that separate thing oh that's happening over there we don't have that shit over here like because of how easily education and materials can circulate yeah it's like more productive but here but here's the thing isn't it like now everybody's kind of realized what's going on in the world like there's so many bookshops that have sold out of yeah these authors didn't write the book the day that george floyd died these books like um uh jesus i can't even remember her name tony morrison yes the one woman we're talking about she died last year um like these one of her books was written in like like I don't even know. I'm not even going to pretend. I know 1977, I think, is when Songs of Solomon came out. I think. I'm not sure. Um, those books have been out for years. 
and yeah. the, the education has always been available. I'm like, listen, my, I didn't learn about blackness from my parents, mm. and I didn't grow up, in, and I didn't grow up in Sudan or or anywhere else, or else. I grew up in Ireland. I learned about blackness from African America. That's why, and there was always like because of the the we didn't have the same culture, but we there's always like a community feeling in terms of like black people around the world. Yeah. Um, where we see a black person on TV and we're like, yes, girl, go, um, or whatever it is, because it wasn't something that we, uh, it's like, you, you don't get that as white people. You don't see a white person and go, oh my God, yes, a white person did it. Mm. And that would be weird. Um, <laughs> and, but, we, that, but that kind of always joined us. And like African-American culture, it was always such a huge part of me, my work, my art, everything. Um, because that's where I learned about blackness. That's where I learned to appreciate blackness. Even my, like the way that I speak has changed and the terms that I've taken on and, and um, the words, the, the vocabulary that I use is, is, is very much at, at some point like taken from African-American culture and, and, that, and through the music and everything else, it's, it's also something that, um, that white people have done as well. It's such a huge part of, of, of who we are. And um, that's why, I guess it's also such a shame that we're not, subjected to books like or writers like Toni Morrison growing up and mm, um, yeah. we our depiction of like black people is through great works of literature such as well of Thunder Here My Cry which which I had in school and and uh Othello yeah. um, and instead of uh, and, uh, and and uh, as much as they are great books it was like a it, it was a study of like I don't know something that wasn't real yeah 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 exactly we thought about martin luther, luther king in school not so much about malcolm x though to be fair but about martin luther king and, and maybe mandela as well in in the historic in the history curriculum back when we were in school i'm sure it's changed now but um but there's but there isn't anything to to show us the I don't know to bring the the realness into the into the into the fold. Not that there is anyway in the education system in Ireland. It's like it's very it's Irish. It's 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 very white. It's like this is Ireland. This is the way that it is. We don't really yeah. go into like Australian or like any other country anyway. But um, but the it's it's very evident that a lot of black voices are are silent silenced, and yeah. um, and like even in in the bluest eyes and um. And how she, the whole the whole kind of book is is based around that concept of like that girl who's who prays every day for blue eyes. Yeah. And it's not because she's like, oh, my eyes are terrible. It's just that she she kind of resents the doll for for not for people not for people looking at the doll and being like, this doll is so pretty and not seeing the same beauty in her. Yeah. And that is such a. I guess it's relatable for a lot of people. Yeah. Also, um, it's a huge part of our, our our culture and our culture and all growing up and stuff like the the systemic racism is such a huge part of like the world that we live in, and that a lot of that is so uh, relatable. So in terms of like you know stories like Black Panther, like movies like Black Panther, yeah. Spike Lee is one of the famous, most famous and successful African American directors in the world who only just won an Oscar recently. And he, uh, but all his books are about, all his movies have been about blackness. Yeah. And, and, and and the audience always doesn't, a white audience doesn't relate to that. And that's why they don't 
voices are silenced and they're not put into the forefront, even though um, it's such a it's such a huge part of who we are. And it's and nowadays people are finding it a little bit more relatable because now they're understanding the story. But like we we watch movies done by white people all the time and they're not relatable for, to the lives that we've lived yeah but relate relatability isn't like something that we kind of it's it's a, it's a lie you know yeah. because like like look the story of friends like a like nobody's like watching that and being like oh yeah do you remember that time me and six friends lived in these huge apartments and went to a cafe every day in the middle of the week even though we had jobs mm-hmm. like nobody's actually thinking those things yeah. um, but, but white people will look at shows like um, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or whatever and be like oh this isn't relatable to us um, but that is because we were forced the, the white narrative was forced on us and it became relatable if you want to use that word to us um, it was like even though it's not a accurate depiction of the world that we live in today I mean even something as small as like family dynamics and stuff like that in a in a in a white family on a tv show where like a teenager might be like I hate you mom I'm gonna go now and the mom's like no don't go anywhere I'm leaving and she goes out the door that would never happen in a black family yeah that would not you do not talk to your mom I'm not saying that white people do talk to their parents like that but I remember the first time seeing it you'd be like oh she's dead oh yeah she's and then nothing happens to her and you're like this is not believable but then you that that you kind of throw that that thought out there's a lot of those kind of like just everyday white isms that people think is a a, a, a a accurate depiction for everybody but it's just not it's just not the world that we live in and that, that was just such a small example but like um it's, but it's, it's it's the world that white people live in is is not the real world real yeah and like it's a small example but it's such an important part of it it's like I guess all of us white people on some level must look for relatability in our entertainment like even in stand-up it's like in stand-up you're looking for a shared experience and then in a tv show you're looking for something that relates to your life and you'll enjoy it more and it's like why is that what we need from something? Yeah. Like, why can't we be looking at someone else's experience and maybe we don't relate to it, but we can learn to understand it, see the humor in it, see exactly, whatever. Because a black movie shouldn't always be an educational experience. You get yeah. used to it and you watch it. And then, yeah, this is this is real life. It, sh- yeah. it shouldn't be educational. It shouldn't be... Um, I mean, I mean, it shouldn't be, um, let me see if I can word this correctly. It shouldn't be educational and it shouldn't be uncomfortable. And yes. um, as well as, like, obviously a lot of black art is educational. That's, but what I mean by that is that you shouldn't have to pause every few episodes and be like, oh, what's cornbread? What's that? Okay, now mm. I know what that is. Like these things should be so normal to you because you need to acknowledge that other people live in this world as well. And you know what? They also produce great art and um, it is definitely worth watching. Yeah, like it's fucked that you even have to say that. But like, I know you, you have to. Part of a lot of people won't acknowledge like female comedians as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. like, if if as a woman you can see that men not enjoying um, a female comic is a stupid concept, then it, it's the same one here when it comes to rights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, completely. 
because like you automatically whether you're white or you're a man or whatever are so used to having art and entertainment like you know specially made for you that when you see something about a different experience you have the option of switching off and being like this doesn't involve me or this doesn't concern me I've got a million options of things that are catered especially for me so why would I listen to this and it's like fuck that no like as you say you're not living in the real world if you are like it's um like like our TVs, even even in Ireland, like if you look at like TV in Ireland and like um, advertisements in Ireland, it's all very white. Yeah, yeah. and that doesn't, that doesn't match. Like if you walk down Grafton Street, mm, no. Um, so we should just be asking those questions and like, uh, why aren't we giving airtime to people of color? Um, yeah. If if it's if I if like if I'm hanging out with my friends and like forty percent of them are people of color then why am I then going to watch TV and, and see a bunch of white people doing white people things? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's why everyone who, you know, makes those ads, does casting, whatever, like the sooner they realize this conversation involves them and that they are part of it, it's not enough to just think it's terrible. Like once yeah. they see, oh, here's my place in this, then the work as they say will start to be productive because yeah absolutely the absolutely. you know representation will change I, i've had this conversation with like a huge casting director in ireland and um and they were basically like well that's not my problem and i'm like if anybody else in ireland it's your problem yeah you're the, you're the you are the you're the biggest casting director of advertisements in ireland <laughs> do you know yeah, who i'm talking yeah, about i think um, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's your if it's anybody it's your problem this is a couple years ago I when I le- wanted to leave their their platform and they were like can you can I ask why and I was like well because there's nothing you're asking for blondes and brunettes and people with green eyes like this is not yeah. for me why am I paying for it um and they were like well it's just what the ad people say and I'm like well you're the one bringing people in you can bring yeah. anyone in you know exactly um, and when I have been called in it's always like uh okay so you're a farmer here you're an African farmer can you do an African accent I'm like yeah okay Sudan Kenya Nigeria Somalia yeah Egypt yeah, because you know what? When I was in, I went to Aku Inari, is one of my favorite like singers in the world. Yeah. And she is, um, she's like a rapper, jazz singer, poet. She is amazing. And she played in Glasgow a few years ago. And I went with a couple of my friends and mm. we got an Airbnb. Mm. And I remember we were about to leave and a, a, an ad came on TV with a family. Yeah. And it was a black family mm. and light skin um because they're the most approachable <laughs> and, and I my friends were like come on let's go and I was like no not going anywhere yeah had my hand like a child I was like oh my god and I was like I was like is this is this is this recording rewind rewind I want to watch it again because that was the first time like in my I was in my 20s I was like 26 years old yeah maybe maybe younger maybe 24 uh, that I saw a black family on tv in an ad and that was that was uk tv yeah i know i think you made more a lot more strides than we have in, in terms of in terms of that and um, that's why you see a lot of black people on love island but yeah. anyway and <laughs> um, but but i was i was so shocked to see it and then a few years later and uh, when girls trip came out um so girls trip the movie with tiffany haddish who's one of my favorite people in the world 
and Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, oh yes, yes, I've seen it on Netflix. So good. Oh my god. Um, uh, Regina Hall and Queen Latifah. Yeah. Uh, just brilliant. It was like, it was not only like the ultimate comedy movie, like it was just as good as like Bridesmaids or whatever, because Tiffany Haddish just steals the show. She's hilarious. Yeah. And um, but there was a Dublin bus with the four of them on it. And I, I, I saw it and I just started walking backwards, like, oh my God, what's happening here? And I, I walked backwards into these two old white ladies, which I think is a lovely little metaphor. I was like, oh, sorry, sorry. And it was just, and that was like four massive, big black faces on a Dublin bus driving around. And they had a huge campaign in Ireland. So they were literally everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was 17. I'm like 27 years old, 26 years old, running around Dublin city, chasing after buses. Yeah. there's black women. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah. it's, it's just, and, and like, I don't expect that. I don't expect to feel that way because I've never been like, oh, I want to see someone like me on TV. That's never something like, we don't like sit there and, be, and feel sorry for ourselves or anything like that, which is why like, this is not a moment for pity or whatever. But when no, we see yeah. those things, something happens inside us where we're like, oh my God, this is amazing. It's like, yeah. I can't remember who it was. And she was like, was it Isa Ray? When she was, they asked her who she was reading for. And she said, I'm reading for all the black people. And a couple of white people got offended. Um, but like, obviously we're always, always reading for, for, for black people. Yeah, it was Isa Ray yeah. in, in the end in the, a few years ago. Um, in, in, it's wild. Like in the same way where we like, everybody wanted that, female president in America or whatever, right, even though Hillary yeah. Clinton crash. But, <laughs> but thank you. But um, but uh, yeah. And it's 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 too it's too late. It's 2020. Yeah. And and that's not even like it's that's not even like 20,020 years of society feel. And I don't know if you know this, but <laughs> society existed before the year one. There's many years before that. And we're thousands and thousands of years, I think, I don't know, of the human race. And we're still having these conversations. Like, how stupid do people, yeah. like, do you think people from the year 10 are looking at us now being like, what a bunch of fucking idiots. Like, are they seriously still on this? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the same conversations. It's the same books. It's the same references. Tony Morrison's been relevant for, for years when it comes to these conversations. Like, my poems, Fiona, I've written poems in 2016 that I still do today because they're still oh, they're still oh, relevant. Oh, honey. I've I've seen you perform it in whatever year. I maybe 2017 I've seen you perform um the poems that you're still performing now. And that's I'm glad because they're good poems, but it's fucked. Oh, it's good for me because I get to like live off the pain of like work that I did five years ago, but at the same time it's exhausting. I'm it's tired. fucked that you still have to do it. That's why I think it's important for us as white people who are like getting into this to expect a bit of pissed offness from black Absolutely. people it's like not to be welcomed with open arms like if someone's like yeah I know that already or yeah just shut up and work on that yourself not to be like eh, why they're being mean it's like no yeah. um, and come here your friend has arrived so will I will I let you go yes 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 okay i'll go now but uh thank you so much Fiona. that was great i don't know if we talked about the book enough but uh ah look it's the book. Ah, look they're bigger fish to fry and we love you tony morrison and thank you very much
for your work. Um, okay, before I go, I just want to do um, a, a reference to your Natasha Bedingfield video because <laughs> it needs to be everywhere and viral. It's one of the best things. I genuinely think that was, is my most underrated piece of work and I think Natasha Bedingfield needs to see it. I let's make that happen. I was fucking crying laughing watching it. Like, <laughs> I can't, like so many. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was unreal. Okay, come here, Sarah. Enjoy the rest of your day and your hopefully well air conditioned apartment. Thank you. Bye. Have a good day. And there it is. There you have it. Episode four done and dusted. Hope you enjoyed it. Stay safe and stay well over the next two weeks and I'll talk to you again soon. Goodbye. You've just listened to Fiona's Book Club with Fiona Frawley. For more, go to fionasbookclub.com or follow online at Fiona Frawl or at Fiona's Book Club. New episodes every second Tuesday.